It's January 8th, 2013. You're listening to the Backhand Shelf Podcast. Today we're joined by Sean Gentili of the Sporting News. We're going to be talking about all things Olympics, so let's get to it. to the Backhand Shelf Podcast. My name is Justin Bourne, and uh, I, just right off the top, I feel the need to apologize. It's been a long time since we've done a Backhand Shelf Podcast. Uh, you know, between the holidays, some guest bailouts, and, you know, just excuses. Uh, our apologies. We will be getting back to a regular schedule for the rest of the season. Um, so, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, the Olympic teams have been named. It's an exciting time in hockey. Uh, it's going to get annoying real soon, so I figured we better talk about it while we can. So, let's get to it. We're going to talk to uh, Sean Gentilly, the Sporting News. Uh, how are you, sir? Hey, buddy. Hi. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, man. Well, for those of you out there who don't know, Sean Gentilly is the uh, Sporting News NHL writer. Uh, he is a facial hair enthusiast. He is a proud American and a bit of an American scoundrel, I would say. Uh, would you say that's an accurate bio? I hope so. That's that's all I try to live up to every day, really, are, are those three things. So how how are you feeling about uh, things heading into the Olympics for your U.S. squad? Is this, uh, is this the year or what? Oh, I mean, I, 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 you have to feel okay about it. I, I think it's good that you know, for all the for all the bluster, and God knows I I wrote enough about it. I, I think the fact that you know that it's even a consideration for guys like Ryan and Yandel to get left off the team are, is a, a positive thing. I mean, it, it speaks well to the uh, the talent base that's, uh, that's, that's that the country's producing now. And does it you know, speak I, well I, to I, it, or does it just really point out how terrible a job your people did in choosing their team? Oh, I, I think it's. I, I would say it's probably a fifty-fifty split. But the fact that, that that it was even that it that it was even pseudo defensible, I think, particularly in the case of uh, of Ryan, is is even if you disagreed with the decision, I, I think you could kind of see the threads of logic that were uh, that were around with it. So the fact that, that that it was even you know theoretically possible to defend is is, is a positive thing, and it's it, it's a, it's a step up from from where it was of you know maybe in '98 or so. Now I, that's not to say that I that I agree with it. I I think it's I think it's ridiculous, I, and I'm I've said this before. I think they should have figured out a figured out a way to keep him on, whether they only kept four centers or brought him as a spare forward, and yeah. you know start and, and figure out a way to get him in the lineup if stuff didn't work. I I, I think it was the wrong decision, but the fact that you know, it was even close to logically understandable. Is is, uh, is shocking. So, so that's where we're at with U.S. hockey. the The fact that you're able to make bad decisions uh, actually reflects well on the country and its hockey program. That's uh... <laughs> absolutely that's that's the, the that's the most American thing possible. Is putting yourself in a position where you're able to make bad decisions. Yeah. How did you How did you feel about uh, Jimmy Howard being named to the team uh, as the third goaltender? I was okay with it. I, I I think uh I think his body of work, you know, up to this season was was pretty strong. Um I I've always I've always been kind of uh kind of bullish on on, on Jimmy Howard generally and I and I think uh you know a, a rough a rough six weeks or eight weeks or or, what, or whatever it was doesn't really change the fact that you know in in totality over the past few years he's he's been one of one of the best American born goaltenders. Now it, you know I I think um 
conceptually, you know, maybe you you would want to see the the third goalie spot go to a guy who is in 28 or 29. Maybe the the guy who has you know a better uh, better chance to start in 2018. But you know, if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna bring uh, if you're gonna bring a guy in his prime, I'm I'm fine bringing out. He's 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 been fine, he, and he certainly. You know, over the course of the last few years, been been better than than he showed in yeah. the first couple months of, of this season. Well, that's sort of an interesting que- question with the Olympic team because I'm never sure. You know, how much stock should you put in this season's success versus previous season's success? Because Rick Nash is a guy who this year nine goals, nine assists in 27 games, if I can recall his numbers off the top of my head. Obviously, not that impressive, but if you look at Rick Nash, Nash's career, you know who you're dealing with. So. What's your take on that? Um, you know, Chris Kunitz having a monster year, monster few years. Actually, you know, what's, we won't go to him yet. But just as a random example, how much uh, should this season's success weigh in versus a guy's career? Yeah, I, I've I've liked Rick, Rick Nash for a long time, and I, I know that's a that's a ballsy position to take. But like, I, I was I was shocked at the amount of uh, negativity that it, that it felt like people were kind of you know directing his way. Uh, to I wouldn't of, have hated it if he was left off. You would have what? I wouldn't have hated it at the time. You know, when I was thinking about it, I, I had to think real, real long and hard about Nash. I, I think sometimes he struggles to to play well with it, with good line mates. You know, like Brad Richards. And sometimes I just think he struggles. He's he's a very great individual performer, but I wasn't sure if it weren't for his performance at the 2010 Olympics and some of his World Championship performances, I would have been far more hesitant about him. Yeah, and and, and that's understandable. But you know, those those performances exist. Those those mm-hmm. happened. He he was he was good on on the on the big ice, and he is a really talented player. And you know, yeah, he has had, he has had a crappy couple months. And you know, I certainly I certainly could see arguing for whatever you you know you put you put uh, you put Drew on the on the team of, over him or or whomever else. I I wouldn't. I'm not against that, but I think I, there you, and it, it, I don't know. It, it might just be because of the people I follow on Twitter or whatever. But it, it seemed like it seemed like people were. Acting like it was some, you know, half indefensible choice that that the Nash is on the team, and I, I know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I, I really feel that way. Like I'm, I'm willing to give the dude a, a little bit, a little bit more of a, a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than that, and and you know, and, and also it's like he's he's not quite on the downswing yet. He's 29 or or however old he is, so he hasn't he hasn't gotten old in the in the last in the last six weeks. It's, the shooting percentage is, is as low as, as it's ever been, so I, I think you have to look at it as being at least a little bit of, of a fluke, and, and say, yeah, this this guy's been really good internationally over the years, and you know, you assume that that's going to win out over, over the fact he's had a rough couple months. Yeah, and he is creating a lot of shots. It's it's just funny, well, like for you and me, how much uh, your Twitter feed affects your perception of what you know what people think about hockey. Because I know the mainstream Canadian public, if you went out in the street and asked, should Rick Nass be on the hockey team? Every single person says yes. You know, like the entire. Oh, I, so uh, I think our Twitter feed shape our opinion or skew our opinion. I should say. That's completely true. I, I think that's something that we, you know, you, you deal with every day. Is you know, you're <laughs> the 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 people we 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 see and, and interact with on a day to day basis are not necessarily the uh, not necessarily the, uh, the 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 larger kind of public opinion, and, and they don't necessarily you know hold that hold all that sort, that sort of viewpoint. And I, I I think that's what it is more than anything. But at the same time, and I I don't I I, uh, I I think I think Nash is is a is a borderline pick and and I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put him any lower than that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's flip the focus to the uh, well. We're already talking about one Canadian guy to the rest of the Canadian team as a whole. You watched that lovely Canadian presentation the other day, didn't you? 
Oh, it, it was fantastic. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think they were ready to announce the 2018 team by the, by the time that was over, actually. That really was one of the most painful experiences. It, like, Canada, Canadians in general have been projecting the 2014 Olympic team since, like, 2011, and this guy, these guys are going up there and talking about politics. That, that really hurt. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really expecting him to be like, and now, and now a song from, <laughs> from whoever. And it, and it, like, An it, elementary and it school choir. Yeah, I said that as a joke, and, and then and then it actually felt like it had devolved to that point where they were going to have people come out and you know tap dance or something. But then, mm-hmm. thank God that didn't happen. Well, it's it's tough to second guess the uh, you know the Canadian team too much. Obviously, they're you know it's a very solid roster. But when you were listening to the big reveal, was there any particular name that made you like you know Tim Allen? Huh? Not, not really. I I had, I had sort of assumed that the Kunitz was was going to. Was, was going to make the team. I, I thought it was interesting, and this is solely based on, on the fact that, that McKenzie and Dreger had him on their team the night before, but I thought it was funny that the tour went from being uh, a projected left winner for Crosby to off the team entirely. I, I, thought, that was, I thought that was interesting. But, you know, beyond that point, I, I, don't, I, I don't think anything surprised me. I, I think, I think I, you know, Giroux getting left off was uh, in at least like a possibility you know, I, I think uh, I, I think I, I sort of sort of started assuming that, that Kunitz was going to make it as well. So I wasn't I wasn't particularly surprised surprised by anything. But part of that is because, you know, like like you kind of alluded to, this, the the roster decisions are, are you know just beaten to death and, and dissected daily for for months and months and months. So I, I think everybody kind of had an idea of, of what was coming, and that sort of you know. Stuck a stuck a pin in, yeah. in, in, in any surprise. For me, uh, Patrick Marlowe caught me completely off guard. You know, when I was looking at the team, I he's nowhere near my team, and it's not that he's a bad player. Obviously, he skates very well on the big ice. He's you know he can shoot the puck. He's he's a great hockey player. But for me, I had Claude Giroux ahead of him, Martin St. Louis, uh, James Neal. Those are guys that I sort of expected would have a better chance than him. Um, uh, of those snubs of Canada there, whether it be Joe Thornton, St. Louis, Giroux, or Neal, who do you think are the first guys that end up in Canada's roster? I would I would bet on Giroux because he can play center, he can play wing. I, I, I think that kind of versatility is, is an important thing, especially when you have... You know, I, I mean, Thornton, you, you can scratch him off the list unless, unless Crosby or Taves or, or Tavares gets injured because, you know, he, he can't play wing on, on the big ice. He's... He's awesome. I, I I love Joe Thornton. It, it's insane to me that that there wasn't, you know, that that there's a, an Olympics. <laughs> it's an Olympic year, and he's not on the team. But he wasn't you know, even like, mentioned. Like he wasn't even an, yeah, on the bubble. Yeah, right. Guys. It wasn't. It like it like it like wasn't even wasn't even a, even a consideration. And that's and that's bonkers. But I I don't I I don't think he's he's a viable. Uh, he's he's quite as viable as a as a replacement choice as maybe a guy Giroux is just by virtue of the fact that. You know he's a he's a he's a top one or he's a you know first or second line center and that's and that that that's who he is and he's great at it. Whereas Giroux is is a little bit more, uh, or I shouldn't say a little bit more. He's 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 versatile to to a degree that's that, that's going to make him easy to choose if if and when it comes time to yeah. comes time to, to pick a replacement. I don't know how much uh, the big ice weighs into your thinking. One thing you know, I wrote that uh, a little bit today that I didn't think Martin St. Louis should was on my team. But when the more I thought about it, I think it's uh, very much a puck possession game. It's not as uh, you know, I don't think it's as about speed as it is savvy with the puck, and I think St. Louis does that very well. Do you think that uh, the Canadians, who have never won on the large ice, do you think that's going to affect their game much? Or do you think, in general, it's worth even affecting your roster situations based on the ice? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised, even after all these months overhearing, you know, whether it's, whether it's Poyle or in, 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 uh, in the, the USA kind of brain trust in August, I, I was at the orientation camp in, in D.C., and, you know, they, it was like a broken record. It's talking about, talking about skating ability, t- talking about, the, about experience on, on the big ice. I mean, it, it, was, it, was like, it was like listening to it on loop. They were just saying yeah. it over and over and over again, and I think... <laughs> I think that sort of primed the pump. I mean, I, I I was ready ready for those sort of decisions to be made, but at the same time, like you know, you look at you, you look at some of this stuff, like you said, like you said, Marlo, that's that's just like a that's like a like an inner that's like a you know a textbook choice for for having yeah. a guy who's it seems like he's he's ready to play on on the international ice. But, but when it, I, was, it, it was it was it was stuff like that that just made, made you realize like how fully baked in that that sort of aspect was in, into their thought processes generally. Yeah, when I think about, you know, guys who are great skaters and, and Marlowe being one of them, you know, I think a lot of times on, on that large ice, you see the defensemen, they just sag back, the forwards sag back. You still have to get through those players to get to the net, and I don't see the speed being as much of a factor to me. You know, the big questions when these guys make the teams is, have they identified what the right issues are? And I think sometimes I, I, the big ice can be a little bit blinding for guys. And I don't know. Uh, sometimes no, it, I, I, I think so. I, I, I think so, too. I, I think... You know, you, you run the risk of. I it, it has to be a consideration, obviously, right? But yeah. but you can't you can't let that be the defining factor either, because it's going to lead you to do some make some questionable decisions, like say leaving Bobby Ryan off your Olympic roster. Uh, like if, if you if you, if you completely focus on on the size of the ice, and I and I know I, I read what you wrote yesterday because I mean I God knows I don't have experience playing on on international ice, but you know, just just how it's not necessarily about speed quite as much as as, as certain other things. You know, you and it was it was great. It was a, it was a good piece, and I I thought that that hammered home even more the fact that you know this you might have a case of especially in the case of Ryan and and certainly maybe some other some guys on, on the Canada roster too. You know, you have you have a case of of uh, of over analysis and maybe a little bit of overemphasis on the on the sheer size of it yeah yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out um you know i'm looking at uh, some of the rosters outside of canada and the u.s and obviously there are a lot more rosters is there uh one olympic team there that scares you any more than canada or the u.s or who else do you have up there anyway i i think sweden has to be up there i think they they also i, I should say about them they made some they made some odd choices too they kept henry calendar over uh over Victor Hedman and, and they, they had some weird choices on, on the back end, but they're they're a really talented team, man. Their their group of defensemen is, is as good as any, and you know they obviously have have you know the, the high end offensive skill like Zetterberg and and guys like that. So I, I think uh, I, I think they're pretty good. Um, obviously Finland, the, the, by virtue just of, of having Rask, I, I think they, yeah. they they have a chance to to do some damage. Like everybody says over and over again, man, this stuff. Especially tournaments are, are about who, who has a hot goaltender, and, and Rask is as Rask is as good as any. And I'm, I'm, and then I'm just excited to watch. I just want to watch the Czech Republic just to see Peter Nedved play. <laughs> I, 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 I completely forgotten. How crazy is that? It's bizarre. And then they left who Yuri Hudler at home, Hudler, yeah. and took Peter uh, Nedved. Uh, I mean, like they, they've they made some weird choices too. And also, I, I don't know if you saw this. Sandus Oslund is on is on uh, Latvia's team. Sandis Ozil, at real, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah, he play for the Avalanche playing, in like 1994? 
uh, correct. He, he's still playing. He's 42, I think. He's playing, playing in the KHL. Wow. He is an Olympian. Well, that's one thing uh, that weirded me out a little bit about Russia's roster. Is, you know, there seems to be this desire to prove that the KHL is on level with the NHL, so they overlook, in, intentionally overlook uh, Russians in the NHL. Like, Alexander oh, Salmon is not going, and they're taking, I, I mean, guys who aren't even overperforming in the Russian league. Yeah, I, uh, I I read I read Chesnikov's piece on uh, on on Puck Daddy yesterday, and uh, he he brought up two of those guys, two, two of the guys that you and me had, had never heard of, uh, as being like you know fourth fourth liner kind of kind of shutdown sort of guys. So like I, I can understand the logic behind that, I suppose, but it, but that was two specific guys. I mean, you had you had six six forwards from the KHL, I think two defensemen and, and a goalie. You know, I, it is. It's a pretty, pretty transparent sort of uh, attempt to, to show that the KHL is, you know, on equal footing or whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever line they're trying to push. They, they, they did it well yesterday. Which, which is kind it, of bizarre though, because it, you know, it being in Russia, you think they would be like, all right, we can put it aside for this one year and just win at home as priority A one because. To me, I'm worried for Russians. You and I actually have G-chatted about this. If they, yes. if they don't win, do they like behead one of their players in a public square? What happens? I would, I would think that, that winning gold would take precedence over, over everything else. Like any pseudo, you know, political kind of stance that they can make with the roster construction. Because it, it is. It's, it's crazy. You know, I, I, it's insane that Alexander Semin is not a Russian Olympic team, you know, it's 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 crazy that they didn't figure out a way to keep Yakupov and you know whatever. And, and you know, also by the way, in that group of defensemen, there there's there's two guys from the KHL, and the, the KHL is notoriously, you know, from D week as talented as as maybe the, some some of the offensive guys there are. They notoriously notoriously bad uh, in in terms in terms of defensemen, and they and they and they brought two guys from uh, from, from that league to the roster. So yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I I think. I think there it's clearly a gigantic consideration and you know, you and I talked talked a minute ago about kind of weird ancillary sort of concerns like about whether it's about the big ice or whatever, kinda of letting it cloud the roster construction decisions and I, I think that was that was example A right there. Yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's there's always a concern when you go up against the Russians, you know, let's say they get great goaltending from Varlamov or Bobrovsky and all of a sudden you have Datsuk playing with Ilya Kovalchuk. It's not like they can't win. That's, you know, not my uh, the point I'm trying to make about them. My point is that I'm not that terrified of the of the Russian team. Obviously, you don't want to put them on the power play, but either way, I uh I'm with you. I think Sweden's probably got the best roster in the whole deal and it's, I mean, what's, what what you want to do is is build the build the roster that you think is most capable to win. Just yeah. Period. But yeah. and re- re- regardless of the form that that that, that takes, and, it's, and if you're Russia, it's tough to argue that, that bringing nine KHL players is is the best way to accomplish that. I I, I think that's. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. And I totally agree. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Mr. Gentile. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? It is S-E-A-N, Gentile with an extra L. And, uh, <laughs> Perfect. It's easier, it's easier that way. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. You can check out Sean's work at the Sporting News, the NHL sp- uh, section in specific. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. All right, bud. Good talking. Um, before we take off, uh, I'm going to throw uh, throw this over to Mr. Ryan Eli, the producer here. He's got a couple of uh, backhand shelf related questions uh, from people on Twitter. So, Mr. Eli, how are you? Hey, happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, happy New Year to you. Yeah, did you have a good one? Uh, I actually did have a good New Year. Uh, 
you know, what I did is um, I bought a bunch of beer from a place and I consumed it. Yeah. Yeah. And you? Uh, it was uh, very good. It was very low-key. Yeah. That's about all I can say about it. That's parenthood, buddy. That's, yeah. Once you have kids, you just go and hang out with other people who have kids. Yeah. And then you go to bed early. Sounds re- Actually, it sounds like refreshing in a way. I feel like you just... I made midnight, but I was like, there were points where I was like, yeah, maybe I just shouldn't bother. Actually, quite frankly, I don't give a shit about midnight. Because the you next know? morning when you're a parent is just like every morning. <laughs> you just stayed up later and screwed yourself because no. now you're just, you have no sleep. I uh, I don't have experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get on to some tweets here. First one from the doctor. If Crosby gets injured, where does Kunitz fit in? Does he even dress? Yeah, uh, probably not. Um, you know, I, I think when they're looking at the roster, Kunitz is definitely there to be the comfort goat for Sidney Crosby, which is what uh, I believe is Ellen Etchingham wrote about Tyler Bozak for Phil Kessel. Just someone that, you know, makes the star player feel comfortable and play at their best. I feel like if Crosby's not available, Chris Kunitz, well, still a very good player. And I think that gets lost in the whole debate about should he be on the team or not. He's a very good player. But I don't think he's Team Canada good. You know, if you put Taylor Hall on Sidney Crosby's wing all year and Kunitz plays for the Oilers, you know, who do you think they take? So um, I think without Crosby, there's no need for Kunitz. So he's sort of dependent. uh, they're, They're tied to the hip going forward. All right. Next one comes from Angus. Will Big Ice be more or less of a factor? There's a Yarmy Yager quote, it takes six to nine months to fully adjust to Big Ice. That's a bizarre quote from Yager. I'm not really sure how he came up with that obscure <laughs> figure. But, um, you know, I think it will be a factor. Uh, Sean Gentilly and I obviously talked a little bit about the Big Ice and people putting too much stock in it. But there is something there, and I think it has a lot to do with... You know, it's width, not uh, length of the ice. So on rushes, it's really great. You have a little more room to push D back wide, which means there's more room to escape and delay. So I think it makes the rushing defensemen more dangerous. You know, they can activate. When you look at Eric Carlson and Oliver ekman Larson for Sweden, if they're sending those guys on the rush, and they've got smart players like Zetterberg and the Sedins who are patient enough to delay, to wait for them, and to hit uh, the guys in the second wave with some passes— I mean, they'll be able to utilize the wide ice as well as anyone, um, which is just another reason I I think Sweden is terrifying. Lastly, this one comes from Pestival. Why didn't my 53-year-old dad, Yaroslav, make the Czech Olympic squad? I don't know. He was robbed. That has been the Backhand Shelf Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Thank you to Sean Gentili for joining us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Hey, if you got something to say, send us an email, backhandshelf at thescore.com. Backhand Shelf.